is chanda, which is uh, when it's dhamma chanda, when it's uh, the desire for reality, the desire for uh, freeing the heart from greed, hatred and delusion. That uh, kind of desiring can be extraordinarily helpful and crucial, uh, very, very significant. So uh, um, uh, probably this is a, an area many people here are already familiar with, but uh, perhaps not everyone. So I thought that's good to underscore uh, the uh, the fact um, or the the principle that not every kind of desire is the cause of suffering. Um, the uh, these two qualities they're both to do with the mind, say latching on to a particular object or a particular goal. Um, and then applying energy to achieve that goal, to arrive at that goal. But there's a very, very different tone to these two kinds of, of desiring. And this is also an area of Dhamma practice that uh, Lumpur Cha uh, would highlight quite regularly if you've re- uh, listened to his, uh, his teachings, if you understand Thai language, or if you read the translations of, of uh, many of his talks, then uh, he refers to this this kind of distinction quite uh, quite regularly. How yet yeah, uh, desire, tanha, is is named, highlighted as the the cause of dukkha, difficulty, and uh, suffering within our hearts. But if we don't have desire, then we wouldn't practice. We wouldn't have any motivation to awaken. We wouldn't have any uh, say uh, direction in our lives towards what is wholesome, what is beneficial. What is uh, what is liberating? So uh, I feel this is uh, good to, uh, and important to to understand that it's not every kind of of desiring or wishing or, or directing that is uh, that is unhelpful. The word chanda, which is transliterated into Roman letters C H A N D A, chanda, uh, that's the first of the elements of what are called the four basis of success, the four idipada. And it can also be translated as interest, enthusiasm, zeal, uh, as well as, as desire. So it's to, it's, uh, to do with that, say, in, uh, engaging with the possibility, engaging with the potential, the mind saying, yes, uh, I'm interested, yes, uh, what, what can be done here? Yes, this needs to change. And that can be completely wholesome, uh, and that's not a kind of desire that we should be uh, afraid of. Like the the, the name that was uh, given yesterday for the new Samanera Tapano uh, means application of mind. That's like putting the mind onto a subject in a in a firm and, and directed way. It's a useful thing, potent thing, important uh, important quality. So we shouldn't be afraid. Of giving uh, uh, giving direction, having uh, a goal, and uh, say, uh, say establishing uh, a, uh, a set of priorities and motivation towards uh, say skillful qualities, particularly towards liberation, towards what is wholesome and uh, and what is uh, noble, what uh, brings about uh, awakening. The the crucial difference between these two, between chanda. And tanha, these two kinds of desiring, is that uh, when chanda is, uh, say, uh, directed towards a wholesome object and it has a wholesome intention behind it, then it's really f- uh, completely free 
of, uh, of self-view, of conceit. There's no I or me or mine involved in that, in that desiring, that directing. So also, uh, if you're familiar with the, the factors of the Eightfold Path, the second element, Sama Sankapo, uh, so which is intention, resolution, aspiration, uh, which is um, in tune with, with Dhamma, that's also, I would say, very, very closely related to this kind of Dhamma Chanda, this uh, enthusiasm or interest, that it's uh, the, uh, the goal-directing aspect of mind, the sense of, yes, this is a skillful direction to head in, this is something noble, it's something beautiful, it's something liberating, it's something valuable in, in the world. So therefore, let this be... Let this be followed, let this be developed, let this be uh, a, uh, cultivated. So that uh, having a whole 10-day retreat on desirelessness, I had to <laughs> think, okay, let's get this clear from the, from the get-go, that not every kind of desire is, uh, is problematic. Tanha, uh, by contrast, uh, again, it, it's the capacity of the mind to latch onto a particular object, uh, a, 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 an object that's, that's attractive to the senses, something to see or hear or smell or taste or touch, uh, uh, something attractive to think about. Also the subtle kinds of, of tanha, of the craving to be, uh, bhava tanha, the, the craving for defined being, the desire to be something, to be somebody, to, to compete, to win, to... Uh, uh, they have a, a sense of, of I that is uh, independent and strong and uh, admired and secure. Bhavatanha, the desire to become, the desire to be, and it, its partner. Uh, Vibhavatanha, the desire to not be, to not feel, to switch off, to, to, to be annihilated, to not feel. Uh, those, uh, those kinds of desiring always have some kind of self-element. There's a degree of I and me and mine. It might not be spelled out in the pattern of thinking. Uh, we might not uh, say have a, a clear and distinct thought. You know, I want to be admired, or I want to stop feeling, or you know, I, uh, if I get some more of that attractive uh, food to eat, then I will be happy forever. Uh, it's not necessarily spelled out in clear conceptual thought, but if dana, the, the feelings of tanha, that quality of craving, uh, is explored and looked at, there's always, uh, to some degree, an I, me, mine element in there. So that's the, the, uh, the dif uh, distinguishing quality of these two different kinds of desiring. If it's, uh, if it's chanda, if it's a, a dhamma chanda, uh, the wholesome kind of, of desiring, then it's free uh, of self-view, free of conceit. But the, the kind of desiring that is, uh, is the cause of dukkha has always got that I and me and my element involved. So that's a, 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 a rough uh, way, uh, a good enough way of uh, defining those two. So, uh, in, in a way, as soon as the retreat began, I, I sort of <laughs> rewrote the program and said, it's really, it's not so much desirelessness that uh, is the priority, but rather a freedom from grasping, a freedom from clinging, anupadana. Um, and so that uh, that, uh, is, uh, that is definitely the, the, uh, say the, uh, the quality, the attitude of mind that is... 
uh, say the 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 root cause of difficulty and alienation, insecurity. So the, um, there can be different kinds of desire, some wholesome, some unwholesome. But if there is grasping, if there's that clinging of the mind onto an attitude, an opinion, a sense pleasure, an identity, a love, a hate, uh, a material objects, then right there is definitely the the, the um, quality of dukkha, of that stressing, that tensing in the heart is generated. When Lumpur Cha was uh, asked to define Nibbana, when he was asked, when he was asked the question, what is Nibbana? Uh, the, the way he defined it, it was uh, as the reality of non-grasping. Nibbana is the reality of non-grasping. So when the heart is free of that, that grasping, that clinging, that tensing quality, then right here is that peacefulness, that sense of ease of being, that sense of spaciousness and uh, a heart free of any kind of problematic quality. So uh, in terms of of directing the practice and uh, uh, say looking at uh, what is beneficial for us, then I would say uh, getting to know that feeling of grasping, of holding, whether it's holding an opinion, holding on to some social convention, holding on to an identity, holding on to our, our personal story, um, holding on to the... Um, uh, the, the kind of uh, range of, uh, uh, of attachments that the mind can latch onto, getting to know that, that quality of grasping, tanha, and using the practice to, and to know that, to feel that. And um, when there is that awareness, that knowing of that, the tension in the heart of grasping, to let that awareness be the cause of letting go. So it's not like, I'm letting go. I'm 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 clinging onto this. I shouldn't do that. The teaching says to let go. I should let go. I must let go, because in holding the practice in that in that particular way, then there's more creation of self. But rather to recognize, to know that feeling of of stressing, tensing in the heart directly, and let that knowing be the cause of of that relaxation, that relinquishing, that, that letting go. And then when the heart relaxes, when the clinging stops, then there's peace, there's ease, uh, there's freedom. One of uh, the, the most essential teachings on this that uh, Ajahn Buddhadasa used to emphasize as well and say that uh, uh, and in this particular teaching, he, he would say, really, it's saying that the whole... Uh, Buddha Dhamma can be summarized into four words. So the whole Tipitaka, really, you can summarize in these four words. Uh, and this is from the, um, is, uh, particularly from the, the lesser uh, discourse on the destruction of craving, Chula Tanha Sankhaya Sutta. He said, Sabe Dhamma Nalang Abhinivesaya. Nothing should be clung to. Don't cling to anything. And in that teaching, the Buddha said, if you've heard this, you've heard everything. If you've practiced this, you've practiced everything. If you've uh, fully understood this, you've understood everything. And when you've uh, uh, fully uh, accomplished, fully realized 
this uh, attitude, then you've realized everything. That, uh, that, that's the completion of the practice. So that's no small statement. So that uh, uh, Ajahn Buddha Das would emphasize, this is really the, the essence of the essence. This, whatever the heart clings to, if that clinging stops, then, uh, then there is peace right here. There is the completion of the path uh, right here. In terms of um, community, uh, community life and, and Dhamma practice, also talking about the, the, the Dhamma talk that I was asked to give in, in Bangkok, navigating a polarized society, uh, that uh, I, f- uh, I feel is a lot to do with clinging, a lot to do with, with grasping, particularly grasping opinions, grasping your sense of identity, of, I, I am this, this is me, this is, this is valuable, this is... Uh, this is what's good and right and true about me, or this is ba- this is what's bad and wrong and and awful about me. Uh, this is uh, uh, this particular political position is true and valid and good, and the other positions are bad. Or uh, living in community life, the the way uh, that uh, we relate to each other is polarization is not limited to political opinions. Um, but we find it throughout the, the field of, of our human lives. In so Theravada, Mahayana, uh, country people, city people, old people, young people, poor people, rich people, female people, male people, everyone in between. The, the range of polarities, uh, senior people, junior people in the monastic community, uh, nuns, monks, uh, ajans, anagarikas, anagarikas, the... Uh, Lay people, monastics, all kinds of areas where polarities, where divisions can be emphasized, and that uh, the uh, the issue, I would say, the the problems don't necessarily come from these distinctions. They are very natural and ordinary within the, our our human world and within the the, the natural order. You know, the, there's always going to be the young and the old. There's always going to be the ones with more capacity and less capacity, there's always going to be beings living in different kinds of uh, environments or having different perspectives. So it's not those differences of perspective or differences of experience that are the issues, but the capacity, the habit of the heart uh, of clinging to those particular roles or positions or perspectives and uh, and attaching, identifying, uh, I'm right, you're wrong, this is true, uh, that's false, this is good, that's bad. And then making those judgments, so this is what they call the clinging to, to views, dit upadana. Uh, this is such a cause of, of, of dukkha and difficulty, that kind of clinging uh, in society, in the family, in the workplace, in the monasteries. Uh, it's such a, a consistent and repeated cause of difficulty. It's really good to, uh, really useful and potent for a, for that to be looked at, because the habit is to to consider. Well, I, I'm not clinging to an opinion. <laughs> this is the fact uh, that we don't we don't see that the mind is taking a particular perspective or a set of, of condition uh, uh, patterns of conditioning or preferences, things that we're used to, things that we like, things that we uh, that appeal to us. And then through unconsciously grasping and identifying, 
with that perspective, that experience, then we say, this is true, I'm right, you're wrong, this is good, that's bad. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm correct, you're an idiot. <laughs> Uh, how can you possibly think that way? That's so stupid. That's so foolish, uh, and uh, and such like. So uh, I feel this is a, uh, in terms of community life, um, both here at Amaravati, also the uh, other places, just where I was staying on the on this uh, recent journeys. It, this kind of polarization and division, um, and conflict and, and stressing in communities comes up I mean, over and over again in families or in, in monastic communities uh, yeah, around institutions it, uh, it's uh, extraordinarily common so if we're using the practice in a skillful way we bring attention to these areas where the, the mind uh, say creates these these conflicts these judgments and then uh, uh, out of that, there's a lot of tension, a lot of suffering, a lot of alienation, a lot of lone, uh, loneliness, uh, division, and uh, and friction, which doesn't have to be there. We, uh, this is not something that the mind has to create. There's always going to be diversity and a great range of capacities and different uh, perspectives that different people have, different different beings have, but. Uh, the way the mind relates to those those uh, diversities, those um, polar those polarities or those differences, uh, that is up to us to uh, say to, to uh, establish, to notice what the conditioning is, and to see what's wholesome, what's beneficial, and what are the attitudes that create more division, more friction, more more difficulty. Yeah, the, I think the reason why they, the, the folks in Bangkok had suggested that as a title was that they just had a, an election there and the, uh, I think the, the more liberal of the two main parties got the majority of votes and the more conservative, who were the ones who were in power, got less votes but they're still trying to figure out how to form a, an actual government. So uh, that's a, it's in a kind of limbo state, uh, a, uh, an unformed state. And so uh, there's uh, feelings are running hot in Thai society about uh, politics and people p position taking and judging each other. So I feel that was the, the cause, uh, the main cause for that subject to be um, presented. But I feel it's definitely not just within the political arena. <laughs> this has significance. Yeah. So, so, for example, um, one of the, the places I was staying was one of the, uh, there was a, a senior monk who had uh, got very upset by, the, he'd made a, a particular request and it had been declined. And he thought that this was really um, uh, inappropriate and unfair and, and um, say, uh, uh, he was being treated badly, and that uh, his re his request was was totally um, innocent and, and proper. And uh, how could he be treated that way? Or how could the, they? How could the response be sort of negative or say, you know, no, uh, you're not given uh, you're not given permission for this? And so I was, you know, as a visiting monk, I was just sort of being consulted. <laughs> Ajahn, this this issue has come up. What do you, what do you think about this? Or, or, or here, can you can you give some feedback on this? And it was exactly this kind of um, 
situation where hearing what the, the one monk um, had requested and it seemed quite reasonable and fair and straightforward um, in one respect, and then hearing how the other side were receiving that and saying, oh, you know, that there are these presumptions are being made or there's this history behind this and there are all these other factors involved. And uh, it was so easy, to, it's to, it was easy to see how the mind can sort of latch on to the particular details, making a case, well, you know, my, my request is totally reasonable because of A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And then on the other side, and, and uh, uh, declining this request is completely reasonable because of X, Y, Z. <laughs> and it all making perfect sense. It all is quite reasonable. Uh, there's uh, uh, proper and and sensible justification for for those different perspectives but uh, you could you could see that the the more that the mind latches onto this person's you know i'm right and that person's wrong well you know i'm right and that person's wrong then the the result is more alienation more division there's a sense of if you were different i would be happy if you just didn't think that way everything would be fine and uh, uh, the same uh, yeah, every monastery I've ever lived in, <laughs> yeah, and I think in our families, in the in the workplace, in in this in Amravati, uh, uh, throughout the human community, we easily think this way. Yeah, we've got a problem here. If you were different, everything would be all right. <laughs> That's a, a very broad way of, uh, of representing it, but it, it's easy for the the conditioned mind to think in that way. If you were different, everything would be fine. I would be happy. So you should change, <laughs> because uh, uh, my perspective is true and good. And and uh, and, uh, and you, you're seeing things incorrectly, or you don't uh, you don't see it my way. Uh, you don't see it in a true way or in a good way. Again, this, these are kind of generalizations. But when the mind is is not uh, awake, we very easily. Uh, judge each other and take fixed positions uh, in this kind of a, a manner, and and then the result of that is, is division, friction, alienation, and and dukkha in short. So that uh, this area of attachment to views and opinions, attachment also to atta, to the attavadupadana, my view, I need, you know, I'm right, <laughs> you're wrong. I've got all, I've got the answers. I've got the justification for this position and yeah, I should be treated this way I shouldn't be treated that way uh, that uh, that area when it's looked at and explored uh, and we follow the, the, the Buddha's guidance on this to recognize well there's, there's an opinion here there's a, a sense of self here there's a view so uh, why should I assume that I've got all the facts or that my particular experience is more valid than somebody else's? Um, and uh, to also to look at the, the, the attitude or the energy, the, 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 the way that that, say, that division is being held in the mind. That, um, because what often happens when there's, there's uh, situations of conflict, like this example is this monastery where I was, I was visiting, um, is that it narrow, things narrow down to you, you, you kind of miss 99% of, of the nature of the other, the other person and everything comes down to you know, that, that particular view or that particular request or that particular action that particular thing that they have done or that thing that they, 
they are doing or that they, they want to do. Everything else of their nature has sort of, and their aspiration as a Buddhist practitioner, as a dedicated layperson or as a, uh, an experienced monastic uh, senior monk or nun, that's, all, that's left out of the picture. That's, that's missed because you know, he wants to do this, which is wrong and bad and stupid. <laughs> and you know, I don't agree. Everything else, the fact that they're a brother monastic, they're also a disciple of the Buddha who takes refuge in the, in the Triple Gem, that's completely forgotten. The, the, the mind focuses on the one the one wrong thing like, and uh, I'm speaking from experience uh, of my own mind and my own attitudes uh, 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 that have certainly been seen in the past as well as, as uh, you know, current situations so just looking at that, uh, that way that the mind screens out the rest of the, the picture and we, we, uh, we are so focused on this one particular uh, issue of that, you know, that you know that wrong, that thing that's wrong, and then uh, also our own rightness. And so to look at that and feel the the energy behind that, the kind of tension uh, in the heart of of grasping, of attachment, that identification, and to notice that, to feel that, and again through that awareness to fully opening the heart to that tensing, uh, stressing quality, to recognize well. <laughs> I'm really creating a lot of suffering here, uh, in, and uh, this is this is really stressful. This is really tense, and to let the the, the the relaxation come from that quality of awareness, that conscious appreciation, rather than oh, I'm really attached. I'm stuck on this. I should let go, which is creating more of more self view and conceit around the issue or the. The relationship to trust, as Lumpur Sameda says over and over and over again, trust in awareness, bringing awareness to that tensing, that stressing of the, the heart around these particular issues, and just to feel what it's like, you know, holding on to your rightness. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, it's kind of interesting when I was uh, then sort of uh, brought into this discussion and then talking with uh, the, the various folks who were involved in this, this other uh, issue in Thailand, um, how uh, just very, uh, as, as politely and as kindly as possible, bringing to people's attention that sense of, of uh, how there was this, uh, this indignant feelings were being attached to, like, you know, I'm right, he's wrong. <laughs> uh, and that uh, that sense of um, of, uh, of taking that sort of moral the moral high ground, as they say, the climbing onto your high horse and saying it shouldn't be this way, and to say, well, look, do we do we need to approach this issue uh, from that perspective? Can we broaden the perspective? Uh, can we recognise that the mind is is grasping this and getting? Getting lost in this particular thing, and is there a, 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 another way of, of, of relating to it, of working with it? And so, uh, rather than than say making a, our list of, of uh, justifications of why I'm right and they're wrong, or this is <laughs> and uh, they are out of order and I'm correct, to to recognise the uh, the kind of uh, divisive effect of grasping and to consciously step down from that high horse 
and instead to say, well, okay, well, even if I am right, the, a beautiful thing to do here is to ask for forgiveness for anything I've said, or, or yeah, everything, anything I've done by body, speech, or mind that's been offensive, and to um, to begin again, to to recognize, yeah, this has been a tense and difficult uh, relationship, uh, and uh, I did have these you know strong feelings, but and this perspective, but. Uh, the harmony within the, the 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 group is more important, so therefore, um, putting those uh, those indignant feelings aside and putting my my rightness <laughs> aside to ask for forgiveness and to uh, see if we can you know, reestablish uh, skillful and wholesome relations based on on dhamma, based on our, our fellowship as Buddhist practitioners and. And I was very delighted uh, in that particular situation that uh, my, uh, not because my advice was followed, <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> that uh, just because uh, <clears throat> that, uh, I was listened to was pleasing, but rather just seeing how that there was that recognition of, yeah, that just clinging onto this position and, and dwelling on somebody else's perceived wrongness and my rightness, that just creates more division. But instead, say, okay, well, I might have this feeling of rightness, but I don't have to cling to it. I don't have to hang on to that. I can be right in fact, but wrong in Dhamma, as Lumpur Chah famously put it when giving advice to, to Lumpur Sumedho many, many years ago, that uh, we can let go of our rightness and as a thing to attach to and to uh, be humble, to be, uh, to be gracious, to be... Uh, Stepping down from that that uh, a fixed position, and to ask for forgiveness, and then begin again to sort of wipe the slate clean and and begin again. So uh, that's just one recent example I I, I found was um, very impressive and, and inspiring that we can do this with each other. We can. Notice the way that we create each other. We create fixed judgments. Uh, we have a particular interaction, and then we we say, "Oh, this person is really—they're really great. They're wonderful. They're so wise. They're so good. They're so inspiring." And then that becomes a fixed reality. And then we have a difficult interaction with somebody else. Oh, you know that that monk is—he's—he's he's awfully stupid. He's—he's <laughs> he's prejudiced. He's biased. He, he doesn't like me. Uh, and then the the mind then takes that story and that particular perception as a fixed reality, and then repeats it. And then we we create these fixed views. And this is really dittupadana, the uh, clinging to to views and opinions. And just to notice the degree to which the mind it creates these stories, then believes in them. It creates judgments of liking, disliking. Uh, and not just about others, but about uh, this uh, this being that we call ourselves, the things that we're proud of and that we, we see as our abilities, our capacities, what's good about us, what our strengths are, what our faults are, the mistakes that we've made, the, the, the qualities of our life that are worthy of criticism. We can latch onto that. We can, and over and over again, <laughs> that uh, uh, this is advice that I've... Um, given, uh, offered to, to people, it's like, well, you, you, you judge yourself in that way, you tell yourself that story. Is it true? Is that the whole picture? 
yes, you, you, you criticize yourself in this way. You, you, you say this is something that's terrible, something awful. Is that really the whole story? Is that all and everything of who and what you are? Is that the whole picture? And uh, so, so often we create these narratives and then the, the way that we talk about our, our life, our history, our, our, our personality, our character, and, and just repeat the stories just out of habit. And uh, to, uh, this, again, is I would say is an attachment to, to views and opinions, attachment to atta, attavadupadana, another of these the types of clinging that the heart is subject to. And that as long as that clinging is sustained, the result is, is dukkha. The result is that dissatisfaction, disconnection, alienation, insecurity and, and stressing, ten, tensing in the heart. So that uh, in these areas, the development of basically mindfulness and wise reflection, sati and and uh, yoni so manasikara, dhamma vijaya, these being mindful of the stories the mind is telling, mindful of the judgments that the mind is making of the people around us, the people we live with, the people in society, the political opinions of, of, uh, of ourselves and, and others, uh, the family dynamics, um, wherever the, uh, the attention is going, if it's in the monastic community or in our, our birth family, in the society, in, in the world at large. Notice the judgments that are being made to, to recognize that's a, that's a ditty, that's a view. <laughs> The mind is, is, is making a judgment, is telling a story. And then applying wise reflection, examining, exploring. Well, who says that's true? You know, is that the whole story? Uh, I, I, tell, uh, I tell myself, I repeat that particular perspective. Who says that's true? Why, why should that be the whole picture? Uh, why, why do I tell myself that story? Is that the, uh, I've repeated these words over and over. Why do I take that to be true? <laughs> Why do I set these limitations, these these boundaries in place, and then imprison the heart within those? Why do Why does that happen? <laughs> does it have to be that way? So uh, I feel this capacity for wise reflection, examining the judgments that the mind makes, what we call beautiful, what we call ugly, what we call, uh, uh, I see. Uh, uh, good and what we call bad, what we call right and what we call wrong. Just look at those to, to explore the, the judgments that the, the mind makes and to, uh, to challenge the, the habits of perception that, that are here. And when, we, when that challenge is coming from a place of, of satipanya, of mindfulness and wisdom, look at and feel the sense of ease and freedom that comes from that, that the, the, the capacity to recognize, oh, perhaps this mind doesn't have the whole story. Perhaps there's another way of looking at this, this life, this, uh, uh, the, these, uh, these habits, these, uh, these, uh, the, these patterns of, of perception. Why, just because I think this way, does that mean it's true? Does it mean it's the whole story? How could it? And so uh, I feel that quality of ease and spaciousness and 
a sense of freedom that comes when those boundaries are challenged, that speaks for itself. Let that, uh, when that, that grasping is let go of, let the peace and space, spaciousness and freedom that comes as a result of that, let that be known, let that speak for itself. You don't have to turn it into an identity. <laughs> you know, like a, I have now understood it, I have got a much better perspective. <laughs> but rather, uh, as those boundaries, those barriers drop away, as they're seen through as being you know, f- uh, false, uh, falsely absolute, those judgments of, of beautiful, ugly, right and wrong, good and bad, uh, as they fall away, then uh, notice the, the the tone, the the, the texture of, of attitude that is present, how the heart feels. I remember many many years ago um, when we were having a, a community retreat here, and uh, I think Lumpur Sumedha could uh, um, sense a certain sort of it's sort of tension and, and sort of stressing in the air of the the community. Uh, I think we were. We were using the, the the old sala that's been demolished as our meditation hall at that particular time, so I remember this. And uh, he, uh, I think there was a certain sort of grim seriousness about the practice that he could pick up in the air, and also a a, a sense of of friction between community members that. Uh, because we were also uh, living in very limited situations. We only had the viharas to, to, to live in. There weren't any kutis in those days. And we had you know, this one smallish space to, to meditate in together. The, this, temp- this temple didn't exist. And the, the old Dhamma hall was, was much too cold to use in wintertime. So I think he could pick up this kind of st- stress, uh, stressing and tension in the air and the sense of, of a friction between the community members. And uh, he gave this, this reflection one morning. He said, well, you know, rather than looking at each other as you know, that which is irritating, <laughs> that, you know, that monk is that way and this nun is this way and if only he was different then that would be all right and she's so annoying because of X, Y, Z. Um, that rather than looking at each other as, as irritants, Look at each other as as fields of merit, as punya keta. So the that we we talk about the sangha as the punya keta, the field of merit. That that sangha is not just uh, in a chanting book. That's actually the people that you live with. <laughs> that that uh, we don't have to dwell upon the personality of this uh, this monk or this nun, uh, this ajahn, this uh, anagarika, anagarika. We, we dwell upon the personalities and, uh, and make judgments about each other. But instead of dwelling on personality or gender or age or seniority, just to look at each other as fields of merit, punya keta. And you could, f- uh, uh, it might have been my projection, <laughs> but you could feel the sense of, ooh, ooh, that's different. You know, the, 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 I think... Uh, a few of us were there at the time, probably Ajahn Sundra, uh, Ajahn Damanando, we were kind of uh, old-timers were in the hall at that occasion. You could feel this sort of shift of mood, like, wow. And, and the sense of, of uh, probably none of us had had that thought <laughs> until Lumpur Sumato put it into the mix, that uh, we can change the way we see each other rather than yeah, this monk, this nun. 
this one that uh, is, is like this, that one is like that, but to see each other as fields of, fields of blessing, fields of merit, and uh, that as fellow Dhamma practitioners, to not dwell upon the uh, details of personality or seniority or you know, age or gender or role in the community, but here is a fellow Dhamma practitioner. This person has taken refuge in Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha, just like me, we're, we're family. We are, we are related, we are daughters and sons of the Buddha. Yes! <laughs> and then let the, the other differences and peculiarities sort of be, be off at the, uh, the edges and to let the, the uh, that this person is keeping the precepts. This person has given their, their life to, to live a, uh, in a way of harmlessness, of honesty, of celibacy. Wow, what a wonderful thing. And the the details of personality or seniority and so on, that's, that's all very very secondary. And I was an extraordinarily powerful and, and wonderful, insightful teaching. And and as he said it, you could uh, get a sense of how uh, common it was for, for us to be looking at each other and judging each other by our personalities or our roles in the community or uh, our sort of conversations that we've had or, or relationships and uh, uh, such that had been established over time and that we hadn't seen each other or were not seeing each other as fellow sahadamikas, fellow dhamma-farers, that their mind would easily get, get locked onto personality and um, the histories of interactions, you know, positive and negative and the details of of uh, events we participated in together and such like. Um, but just to, to change the view, to, to see each other from a, a different perspective, that was an extraordinarily uh, skillful, helpful uh, teaching. When we, uh, we apply wise reflection in this kind of a way to change, uh, change the view, to broaden the view, I, I heartily encourage us to to use that kind of reflection to challenge the assumptions that we make about each other, and then not uh, and then not just carrying that out as a as an action or as a practice, but particularly to to fully uh, appreciate the result of that when those judgments when those those. Uh, Opinions are dropped when they're seen as transparent, as empty, as insubstantial. Then really notice the change of heart or the quality of the jitta when the grasping stops. Even if it's just for like a half a second or a second, just uh, for a moment as that the perspective shifts, let that be known and, and let that really sink in and speak for itself. It's, and this is the way that we refresh and continually renew our practice just uh, again coming back from this um, this journey i was very consciously appreciating the refreshment in my kuti that there's so many sangha members and members of the lay community here contributed to uh, redecorating uh, my my kuti much appreciation everyone's diligence uh, refreshing the the canary yellow lobby and the purple bathroom and Wading through all the kind of books and memorabilia that's accumulated there over the last 10, 12 years. Um, 
much of which uh, is also I'm taking the opportunity to, to declutter and move along. Yeah, a sense of, of refreshment, of, 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 um, of beginning again, of, of letting go of the old, letting the, the, the sense of, of what has accumulated, what has sort of the grime and the, 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 the cracks uh, and the, the scuff marks that have accumulated, to recognize those, to let them be uh, say, attended to and refreshed. And so then I have a, a beautifully uh, sort of brightened up and, uh, and see renewed living space to be in. So it's, internally it works in exactly the same way if we carry out that uh, ref- inner refurbishment through letting go of grasping, letting go of uh, the ditupadana, the, the grasping at uh, views and opinions, grasping at judgments about each other, uh, grasping our own story, the atavadupadana, that... Uh, the judgments we make about ourselves, the, the things that we're proud of, the things that we're embarrassed about, that uh, in a similar way there's an exact kind of inner redec- redecoration, refreshment, refurbishment, inner refurbishment and inner decluttering. Um, being very appreciative of Tan Adicho moving crates and crates of <laughs> books and objets d'art and uh, odds and ends out of my kuti and, and spreading them to more useful places that... Uh, it's astonishing the amount of stuff that just accumulates externally, but also internally. And so that uh, taking the opportunity to genuinely practice non-grasping, non-clinging, non-attachment, to, to declutter internally. And then there's much more, more, more spaciousness, as a freshness, as a, uh, an ease uh, of being that comes from that, uh, that decluttering, um, letting go of of so much accumulated ditty, so much accumulated views and habits and self-creations, and that 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 is something that that we can do. We can use the time, the space, the the living situation that we have, uh, and the supportive uh, presence of our fellow uh, dhamma fairers, fellow sahadamikas, to encourage us to do that and to to appreciate, to to genuinely. Um, be blessed by the, the the result of that non-grasping, that that uh, relinquishing, letting go, and nibbana is the result of that, uh, the cessation of grasping. That when the, the grasping stops, that piece of nibbana is here. It's just as Lumpocha defined it, nibbana is the reality of non-grasping. It's not some kind of spectacular event at the end of decades and decades of, of practice, but when the grasping stops, peace is right here, <laughs> in this moment. So I offer these words for consideration this evening.